Never would have hitchhiked to Birmingham if it hadn't been for love. Never would have caught the train to Louisiana if it hadn't been for love. Never would have run through the driving rain without one dollar to my name if it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for love. Rolling. Come on, got. man. That's Come on, got. man. That's 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 sweet, man. That was great. You guys are never gonna let me live that one down. <laughs> that was amazing. I totally I've been getting ringers lately. Everybody's <laughs> been coming in. I'm a little nervous. I don't want to do it. And then all of a sudden I start listening to them. I'm going, I feel like I want to push the button and turn the chair around. That's what I feel like doing, man. No, that's great. Roland, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time on a Saturday morning. A little misty today, but you got a beautiful fall weather going on. And we're in your one of your shops or small shops? or Yeah, we're in our original shop. We're, okay. uh, we're sort of in the process of building and finishing the new shop. It's close by here, but it's about three or four times the size. So. Which you pretty much are going to need, right? Yes, we, we <laughs> desperately need it. We're bursting at the seams here. I know, because... They, well, well, I guess you guys can't really work when it's all bad weather outside. Exactly, yeah. And uh, in the winter, it's tough too, right? So we have, we have five employees now, and it's there's just no room for them. It's I packed. love hearing that. I, I've, I've been wanting to interview you for the longest time. I've heard great things. I, I, I started off with Larry from Waddell Engineering there, and he was just like, you got to interview and talk to them and, and learn all about their business. And I've always been a fan of people that do this kind of skill set because this is different construction. This isn't uh, the typical that we're used to, man. It's a little different, yeah. So let me get the creds out here so we're at caledon timber frames i'm talking to the owner there uh, roland skews skews yeah just well, one of the owners I, I do have a partner named dan ray who's duck hunting right now so nice c- couldn't make it it's the time it's the time <laughs> anyway so triple w caledon timberframes.com email to reach out to them is info at caledon timberframes.com and on instagram it's caledon underscore timber frames all right, man. So you've been doing this for eight years. How did it all get started? Well, I started out, uh, Dan as well, just uh, framing, reg- doing regular stick framing. And I uh, worked for my dad, who's a builder, and Dan worked for his dad, who's an electrician. So we were sort of exposed to the the trades from a young age. And um, just sort of, we went to school together. Like we, Dan and I have known each other since uh, like grade two, grade three. Oh, wow. So uh, <laughs> we went to uh, college, did like con- construction engineering uh, at Fanshawe College, uh, carpentry techniques. And then we we took an introductory course to timber framing while we were there. It was just like a two-week introduction. Sort of piqued our interest. We ended up going out west and taking a three-month intensive uh, timber framing course at College of the Rockies in uh, Cranbrook, British Columbia. And it sort of just uh, came back and started building pergolas and uh, small structures. And uh, actually, we were lucky to build a couple big frames for my parents. Like my, my dad, being a builder, hired us at a, at a very young age, uh, which a lot of guys who wouldn't have uh, trusted us to, to build a timber frame, like the, a full house. So we were lucky. That sort of you know gave us some, some credibility and uh, sort of just gone from there. It was Dan and I at first, and then... Just started hiring guys on as we needed them. So. How did you guys find the roadmap? I mean, because I'm assuming you went to Fenshaw, right, to begin with, yeah. but not the entire class is kind of looking at this type of building. You guys were a small portion of that class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the what we took was, it was more or less just like how to be a general contractor. Like it, they sort of touched on everything, like, you know, plumbing, HVAC, all of that stuff, a little bit of engineering. But yeah, it was sort. Of, it was always sort of carpentry that we were that we were into, and uh, and the the stick frame, like just working with our hands. And we're both kind of like finicky in the sense that you know, like stick framing is a little rough. You know, like it can be uh, you can hide a lot with drywall. <laughs> but, uh, 
because you have to be finicky with this like it's it's the finished product i, I look at this as rough right? and finish at the same time yeah yeah no to definitely it's it's sort of like um like trim carpentry on steroids right because like, yeah. you, you got like you, once you make a cut that's kind of it you know yeah. you, you can't really do much to it after so how did you guys find the school out west the rocky uh, College of the Rockies, it was uh, incredible. Uh, we, we were really lucky to learn under a guy, uh, it was an old Swiss uh, master timber framer named Joe Jex Collette. Uh, rest in peace, he's, he's since passed away. But he was, you know, just, he was a very, very good timber framer. And uh, so th it was incredible. Like they, they teach you everything basically in, in three months. Like it's it's sort of intensive, but you, you build a full frame when you're out there, you, you put it up. And so you get, you get the full sort of experience and so that i would i would highly recommend it they it's it's he doesn't teach it anymore obviously but it's still um one of the best courses out there and one of the only courses that's like three months long like a lot of but it's intense of, eh? yeah yeah no and so we lived out there and uh and it's just british columbia is gorgeous too so i yeah. highly recommend it what's the, i mean i'm assuming did they give you a little bit of history on where this whole timber framing came from and why and how and they yeah. go about that yeah, yeah yeah they they touch on all that i mean it's it's an ancient craft right like it's been around for thousands of years yeah. um so yeah they they start with that the introduction and and actually the, f the first thing you build is a sawhorse like one of these sawhorses that were uh, were set up on here so that's sort of like all the joinery that you, you the, the most common joinery that you'd see in most timber frames are these some of the original ones that you guys made yeah actually that, <laughs> that one there on, on your left is is the first one i made and i, I dragged it back here because you, you can the nice thing is you can knock the pegs out and, and break it down and, and take it home so I dragged that one back here, and then we sort of we've built some heavier duty ones since then. But uh, that's, it's actually some of the guys like when when they start, we'll we'll have them build a sawhorse, and then it's like if you know if they screw it up, it's not the end of the world. But it's it's a good introduction to all the tools. Like you can use the mortiser and the routers and uh, the chisels and everything. But it's a good indication of the person if they're built for this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, because it basically, like you said, it has all the elements of... Exactly. So I'm fascinated by this. And how do you find... You got five employees. Has it been tough to find these employees? Has it been like... Yes. Um, well, the, the guys we have now are, are fantastic. They're all younger guys, but they're keen and uh, willing to learn. Like some of them have carpentry backgrounds, but not like sort of residential construction. Like, no, it's hard to find a, an experienced timber framer we found. You got to kind of make them. Yeah. Yeah. They, there's, I mean, there's guys that I'm sure have taken the course, but in our area, it's, it's hard to find someone with, with timber frame experience. If they're keen and they're willing to learn and they show up every day, uh, they'll, then we'll teach them. Right. And, uh, it's all, I like to think of it as fairly basic stuff. It's just on a, on a big scale and you just have to be sort of meticulous and, and you know, think before you uh, make a cut. So but it's yeah. definitely like you measure three times kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. So it's so like any piece is, is laid out. One guy will lay it out and then um, before anything happens to it, we'll have someone else check it. Like like double check every measurement because it's it's so easy to to make like lose an inch somewhere like you know once you make a cut it's like a 500 hundred dollar piece of wood so if you if you make the wrong cut it's you're, a big uh, it's a bad day it's a, big it's a bad day that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bad part of it yeah. but but okay so i i want you to like just walk us through the whole process i'd love to know more about this i'm fascinated by it i'm curious about what type of a client that is geared towards this, you know, why they choose this way. And then also there's engineering involved in all this, right? So, I mean, I'd love to chat about all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, so absolutely. So I mean, a lot of our clients, funny enough, nowadays are following us on like Instagram, uh, more so than our website, we'll get contacted through Instagram and people will just sort of be following along because we post a lot of um, sort of the process. And yeah. so it's, it's a lot of our clients are into that, like sort of the woodworking side of it, you know, like furniture, banking and stuff like that. But I, I feel like it's sort of, sort of been a bit of a boom. Like a lot of people want to see timber, even if it's just accents on their home, um, even if it's not a full frame. So we get, we do tons of those like front entryways and, and, you know, backyard cabanas, uh, pergolas and stuff like that still. And those are, those are nice cause they're easy, you know, quick in and out. Um, but they have such a wow factor too. Yeah. yeah when you, totally. when you put it up against traditional building, it just, it, it just makes it pop. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, I guess people are into the, the longevity and, and the, like how long the structures will last and, and the joinery. That's our ter- sort of clientele. They, you really have to appreciate it because you definitely are paying a bit more of a premium for not only the material but the labor to uh to make these you know anyone can can cut and slap some timber together but to to do it you know in a way that it's it goes together tight and and fits nicely so you have to be sort of appreciative of that and, and willing to uh but I guess the price point really is about explaining to clients or anybody that's interested is you're factoring in a rough trade and also a finished trade at the same time. Exactly. So if you put those two numbers together, then that's basically your ballpark costs, right? Exactly. And that's fair enough to say. Yeah. And yeah, it's really it's really just uh, time and material, right? Like it's we sort of figure out the labor on each piece and the amount of timber that's going into each project. It's either Douglas fir, which is what we're we're sitting on here. Yeah, right which is now. beautiful. I mean, like and, we've uh, made a makeshift podcast <laughs> table here, but I mean, I'm looking at slabs of what are these eight by eight or nine by nines? Yeah, those are eight by eight. Eight by eight, eights, yeah. And the timber I mean, we primarily use is Douglas fir, and it comes from the West Coast, uh, British Columbia or Oregon. And we order it what's called dressed or D4S, which means it's been run through a four-sided planer. So they'll take an eight by eight, run it through the planer, square it up, and it'll come out as a seven and a half by seven and a half inch timber. And what that does is it, it means there's less sanding. There's uh, there, you you can rely on the square timber. You can you can for layout you can actually just put a square on it. Uh, whereas with rough sawn timber, it's it's often out of square. So and this is like it, bang on square. Yeah, it's it's very very close to perfect. I mean, it's not always exactly perfect, but close enough that we can we can put a square on it. You know, we, we rely on what's called square rule in the, in the shop. Whereas with rough sawn timbers, you often have to resort to like scribing, which because so you have to take into account the twists and the, the out of squareness in a timber so and then the other thing we do is we order it uh what's called free of heart so when they mill the log the, the tree uh they they remove the the heartwood which is the center of the tree and what that does is it reduces the wood's tendency to check and twist um, as it dries because the, the timber is green uh which which means it's it hasn't been put into a kiln when we get it and start working it so it's going to slowly dry as, even as we're cutting it you can hear it sometimes popping and cracking um it's just like a living thing and that's totally um, natural totally natural yeah like checking occurs it doesn't it doesn't affect the, the structural integrity whatsoever by cutting the heartwood out you you reduce some of that checking so you you make it sort of a more stable product you end up with like a nicer slice of timber basically you get a, a nice uh so it's it's a more premium product so you pay a little bit more money but we've just started using it sort of exclusively now um, just to have a sort of higher end product and, and what's uh, the age of 
the wood when you guys first get it? I guess from the milling process to the time you start milling it on site. It, it depends. Um, with, with some some larger pieces, um, with pine even, like especially so it's either pine or Douglas fir, but some of them they'll actually have to go source in, in the forest. Uh, if it's a, a, a monstrous piece, they'll have to actually source it. So some of it is, is very green when we get it, like pine will come to us very green. Um, but typically with, with fur, they have the logs stored for about a year, like they air dry for about a year before they, they start slicing them and, and milling them. So they get a little bit of a chance to dry out. And you can kiln dry timber. It's just, uh, you know, exorbitantly expensive to do um, because they're such big pieces. Yeah, I was and, just thinking uh, that because you need to keep these as large pieces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And some of the, I mean, some of the beams, we can order up to like 40 foot, lengths of uh like say like an eight by 12 or the, the biggest piece was a 12 by 16 by like 30 i think that's sort of like the biggest so it's it's like a tree you're getting basically, basically it's a, yeah. a monster piece so to kill and dry that is just isn't feasible right so um so we do have to sort of explain that sometimes people will see cracking and checking occur and they'll they'll think that their their frame is about to collapse but it's totally natural like you go in any any old timber frame structure the the checks are there like sometimes and you don't you want can, to repair those you don't or no do, you can't you, you can't you really right. can't well actually i mean funny enough there's a guy oh, i guess follow, assuming epoxy um, or something like yeah but again it's but that's not it, the deal it moves right the wood even once it's dry the the wood will move you know so that's why like we don't glue any joints you, you don't you can't do anything like that because you know the wood's just gonna just gonna move it's it's natural right so the checks you know, if if someone really doesn't like checks, uh, I mean, free of heart is a good way to to avoid that. But you can, like I say, get it kiln dried, and uh, that that will also help. But most people, it doesn't really bother them. Um, so your timber framers, they have to be, I guess, better versed in structural engineering kind of basics versus traditional framing. Yes. Yeah, so we, we sort of know now what uh, what sizes will work. Like we don't we don't reference like a, a span chart or anything like that. We use a shout, a shout out to uh, Waddell Engineering, uh, yeah. Larry, who actually is probably the reason I'm on this podcast. <laughs> but we use Larry there. He's uh, to blame. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he's okay. He does he does our engineering. But so we'll basically just design a frame joinery that has worked for us in the past and he'll just they'll mark it up and and confirm our, our sizes work with the spans i mean douglas fir is, is so strong it's it's like the hardest so one of the hardest softwoods it's it's so structurally sound so you can you know a lot of it's just overkill anyways for spans it's, but that's engineering yeah yeah that's <laughs> typical engineering yeah so i can only assume with this kind of structure it's the same way yeah yeah no exactly so they'll um you know, a lot of engineers will, you know, add, they want to add steel and, and uh, structural screws, which we do, we use. Like we, we use traditional joinery, like mortise and tenon connections wherever we can. But a lot of the times you need to add some sort of, you need to supplement with a, a structural fastener, especially if you're dealing with Waddell. They, <laughs> Does they that like, hurt you guys? <laughs> yeah. or because I mean, I know that that's, once you filter things certain down into consumers' basics, uh, like shopping list, you'll see those fake collar 
attachments with the the caps that are basically supposed to be the structural bolts but that's where it came from originally right when you started building these huge structures and you had to put those metal right. uh, fasteners together but i mean does that hurt you guys because you guys come in as timber framers where you guys are wood you guys are true and true wood right yeah it, i mean it, it depends right in certain applications it, it just makes sense like say for like a rafter connection uh like a rafter down to a plate a screw is is better ten, you know nine times out of ten it's just stronger and it's faster too because again it's it's so labor driven you know and we're estimating jobs if someone really is appreciative of the joinery and willing to pay for the extra joinery up there where you'll actually never see it um, but just sort of knowing it's there then yeah we'll we'll do it but it's i'd say it's you know it's it's a hybrid model like we we sort of supplement we do the traditional joinery wherever we can and uh, wherever it makes sense basically it does right? yeah it's true yeah. i want I, I was curious about how do you guys start are you starting with slab on grade is that the idea or are you actually starting from a basement foundation then your work with, with the homes we build it's it's typically um a conventional foundation so any it could be a slab on grade a poured or block foundation and then typically it'll just be a conventional platform as well like tji or, or joists and we'll sit our timber frame right on top of the platform and then there'll be point loads or you know concrete pilasters that that carry the load down to the footing but yeah, it's sort of from the ground up. It's it's conventional, and then the platform goes. Our timber frame is erected, and then the walls or the what we use is uh, structural insulated panels or SIPs um, to enclose the frames. So that it sort of gets enclosed from the outside. So we'll put those on the roof and the walls, and that'll sort of leave the three faces of the timber exposed inside. So the, the backside gets, gets capped with your insulation, you know, your and wall. you meet code and you, then yeah. you, you make the building or the city happy from that. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I mean, it, it ends up being a, a very thermally tight building because especially if you use SIP panels, you don't have any thermal breaks. Like you don't have a stud every 16 inches. There's yeah. no bridging. And the, the timber frame is carrying all the, the gravitational loads uh, so you don't have you don't have headers, for example, in in the window openings. Like the it's just solid. Uh, it's EPS. It's extruded polystyrene as uh, the insulation they use in the panels. So you just have solid foam, basically continuous behind the wall. So you end up with a a, a nice tight, uh, warm building too. Especially some people think with like the vaulted ceilings that. Um, it could be expensive to heat, but it's it's actually the opposite because they're once you're building super an, tight. Uh, yeah, you're building an igloo. You're, yeah, you're kind of yeah, exactly. keep it. It doesn't matter what the volume size is. You're and once you heat it and it gets to that thermal mass, then it's warm. Exactly, and you won't yeah. lose it. It's not dissipating like traditional framing. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that makes a lot of sense. So that I mean, that's one way we we enclose them. Sometimes we'll do, we will do uh, two by six walls. You can enclose them any any way really, but. Um, but yeah, so, so with the smaller structures we do, it's typically, yeah, it's either a slab on grade or you'll, you'll usually want like a sauna tube, something under each post to, to carry the and How are you fastening right? the post right to the structure? We'll use a knife plate. So like typically it's a concealed knife plate. So we'll, we'll plunge into the end of the timber and we'll just, so we'll bolt uh, the knife plate down to the concrete yeah. with, yeah, with I've an seen anchors. It, yeah. And yeah. then uh, it's just some steel dowels that go through into the, into the plate and prevent it from blowing away. Um, not, not that, I mean, the weight of these structures is, is incredible. It's, like, it's not that it would ever go anywhere, but it's another engineering concern. Um, we're actually doing a job right now with a, a special, it's called a moment base. With timber frames, you, you typically will see what's called a knee brace. So it's a 45 
degree, like it's an angled brace, mm-hmm. and that gives the the frame rigidity. It prevents it from racking in the wind, like t- just like a wall. Like if before you put plywood on a framed wall, it'll it could tip over. You know, it can it can blow over in the wind. So this this moment base is a a way to actually eliminate those knee ba- those knee braces. Um, so it's like an X shaped base, and it's it's fixed into the into the bottom of the timber, and it gives the post rigidity because um, the clients in this case didn't want to see knee braces. So that was actually Larry there that uh, that specified the uh, the moment the moment connection. Uh, <laughs> so I'd like to thank him for that. They're they're a bit of a pain in the ass to be totally honest with you, but but it eliminates um, the brace on the bottom. Eliminates the knee well the need for a knee brace uh, actually up at the top where the post like enters the the beam. So it's just uh, so there, there's some some different sort of connections you can do um, at at the base to to connect them. Are we the limited concrete. when you guys are building? I know that you talked about a larger and one of them was as long as forty feet. Are you only limited to what's naturally been grown? That's the limitation to an extent, yeah. So some of the like you you can I mean it's in British Columbia they the trees grow a, a lot bigger than they do here. So <laughs> a you little can, bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you can you can go you can source uh, some monstrous pieces, but after really after thirty feet it just becomes um, you know an encumbrance to 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 deal with it and and you know we have to get it up the driveway here and get it into the shop. It wouldn't even fit in our current shop. Some of those bigger pieces, they just have to be cut outside and then shipping and all that becomes a hassle. So after 30 feet, we'll just, we'll usually join two pieces if you have to, like it will do like a scarf joint or something to connect to two shorter beams together. But yeah, you can, it just, it depends on the size. Like you can get an eight by eight, probably up to like 60 feet if you wanted. Right. Oh. But it's, it's absurd. But yeah. What but are you building at you, that point? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's unnecessary. So. But as to, if you want a 12 by 16, then you you probably can't go longer than 30 feet, right? Because you just can't get that out of the tree before it, the tree just tapers naturally as it's growing. That's, that's really interesting. I wanted to find out, how are you guys treating all this stuff at the end when it's an end result? You're not treating it at all. You're leaving it naked. It, it depends on the client. Uh, what we what we were taught in school was to oil it. So we'll, we'll use a, either a natural oil, which... Um, which helps stabilize the wood. It, it penetrates in, so it's a it's a mixture of like linseed oil, um, citrus oil, and a few other things. And that'll sort of uh, quench the wood, so to speak. So as it starts to dry out, it won't have a tendency to check and crack as much. And you could reapply the oil, but some people just like the the, the natural look of the timber. Like when you add an oil, it it darkens it and uh, it really makes the grain pop. But with a lot of our, our outdoor structures, we'll use, again, it's an oil. It's uh, Q-Tech is actually the brand we yeah, use. Yeah, I know them and, really well. Um, I mean, it's a great product. Yeah, and you can you can tint them any color. There's like 10 different colors. You can tint it as well. It's um, a great product for saturating. Like, it actually goes deep into yeah, the yeah, wood. It, it That's what I like. Yeah, yeah. Is, is the key. And, and it's nice because you don't have to say in a couple of years if the color fades which it always will outside like no matter what it'll fade but you can just reapply the oil like you don't have to it won't flake off like a like a surface stain will so we like it for that reason and uh, yeah it just gives gives us the flexibility to because a lot of most of the times we'll be tinting it a certain color 
So you guys get drawings. You get a, uh, are you supplying the drawings? You starting it? At what point do you get involved with the client to start designing things? Uh, it, it goes sort of both ways. Uh, some, like a lot of times, clients will send us like an architectural drawing that has some sort of timber drawn on it, and often it's it's not really how it would be built. So then we'll we'll take. Let's that. ask the experts. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll take that. So that's they'll send us that for pricing, and then we'll we'll typically do. Um, so yeah, we do that in house is like a three D rendering. Yeah. Uh, which we we do for pricing purposes, and we'll and to to sell the job to the client. So we'll draw it in three D and send it to them. We use uh, Google SketchUp to to do that all of our drafting. But it yeah. gives you an idea of what it's going to work out and see exactly. if you can find and, any. And for doing even for doing takeoffs, it's, yeah, it's so helpful. Um, so we've actually gotten to the point now where we'll we'll take that that sketch of drawing and and use it in the shop now to actually produce our shop drawings. So like our actual like layout drawings are we'll pull all our critical measurements. It's a fantastic tool. I, I would highly recommend it to uh, to any even anyone in regular construction uh, or carpentry. It's a fantastic visual, visualization tool. You're not relying on uh, on math as much because uh, you, you know you can you can make little errors here and there, especially with some of the more complex joinery that we get into, like in roof framing. It's just so helpful to have that uh, that visual aid, you know, when you're laying a piece out. Because um, we're just so used to floor drawings, like floor yeah. plans or elevation, and that's the extent of it. But then there's nothing in between, right? Other exactly. than your skill set, right? And I mean, it also helps too for the it's because it's a scaled drawing. So when we, we could actually send it to the client, and it's like exactly what they're going to be getting, right? At the end of the day. so it's, there's no like it's not just like a sketch or like based on their architectural drawings it's like a proper 3d so yeah we'll get we'll get a drawing from um, an architect or from a client even if it's just a sketch and we'll we'll produce a uh, a proper timber drawing and then and, and a budget uh for them and if if it's feasible and it fits in their budget then we'll uh we'll send it out for engineering we'll have uh we'll have waddell or Larry there, you know, confirm that the sizes will work, make any adjustments that he has to, like markups. We'll get a deposit, order the timber. It takes about, you know, three weeks to get the timbers. Like mo the most common sizes will take about three weeks to get. No, and, no uh, COVID delays going on these days, or um, there was yeah, there was a bit of a, a bit of a delay. It, it wasn't like like crazy. Uh, it was a couple couple weeks longer than, than okay. we anticipated. Uh, but but no, it, it really we we were lucky in that sense. It wasn't like like you know joists. I've heard TJIs are like and the engineering lumber was bad. Everything was bad. So and it's still bad. That's yeah. just how it is. But um, so from there, you guys get this. It comes in, lumber arrives, and then you start literally building each piece, each component. Exactly. Yeah. So well, that's challenging. Yeah. So well, you, you gotta. <laughs> you really have to just have a good. Uh, documentation of what each piece is right when you're doing your takeoff and sending it up to the mill you know to know exactly what each piece is and then the mill sometimes like if you want an eight foot piece sometimes they'll send you like a, like a 24 so you, you have to and you'll you'll just be expected to chop that up into in, to get your eights out of it so so that could be a little hectic sometimes if you get easier a big for them order. for shipping purposes yeah, yeah, that's much, yeah much easier okay than, than for them to chop it up into little bits so um, that can be frustrating sometimes because you're like, what, what the hell is this piece that I didn't order? But it's, yeah, it's and then, you know, it's in there. Uh, so. that, that's the note that we always get on site where it's as per contractor, as per on site. That's right. what you guys have to figure out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's basically their note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll pull the timbers in. 
uh, one by one. Uh, we have this that cart over there, uh, which helps because our shop's quite small, as you can see right now. So you can't you can't just like forklift the timbers in. You have no. to you have to physically move each beam in onto the sawhorses. What are we talking about, weight-wise? Here, I know that we moved a couple of these just to set up our table, but. They got some weight to yeah, them. Yeah, a couple, couple hundred pounds. Like some of the bigger beams are like like five hundred pounds, I'd say. So, so that at a certain point, you can't lift it with two guys. So you, no. you do need a. I mean, Dan, Dan and I used to back in the day, which is why. But I'm, we all I'm get sore, older. Which is why I'm sore. <laughs> I'm, I'm too young to be how, how sore I am. Yeah. But yeah, we find, now we have a machine and, and a cart. The timber cart is is very helpful because it, uh, it just takes takes the weight off you. So yeah, each piece comes in. It's laid out. Uh, once the layout's done, uh, someone checks it. Someone who didn't lay it out checks each measurement and makes sure, because it's incredible how fast a uh, a piece can be laid out wrong. Um, and then you're just if it's once the cut's made, you're you're stuck with it. So or the pieces, I love the redundancy. Yeah. I love that you guys start and then someone checks and then you guys cut and someone checks. You'd be amazed. Uh, even sometimes when someone checks it, the, the piece is still wrong. It's incredible. It's it's uh, kind of I call it construction blindness because you come into work and you are you you got like you're blinded on the sides. You're so used to seeing something all the time and you just, for whatever reason, I swear that looked like that when I last looked at it, but it didn't. Yeah. And then, so it's nice to get fresh eyes come in. Absolutely. No, you, you need it. And and it's, if you get, if, you know, if we're busy and in a rush and you, you start laying stuff out and cutting it, the mistakes happen. Like they, it's just so easy. So, well, actually, you know, you've heard of, I'm sure you heard like burn an inch when you're measuring yeah. something. Yeah. We'll, we'll burn a foot so that it's easier to see if something is wrong by a, by a whole foot, whereas a little inch on a, on a big timber can be missed, you know, a, a little bit easier. So that's, that's one of the ways we try to try to mitigate that. But, um, and it helps to have sort of one guy doing all the layout. Like he's just the layout guy. And then one guy is, is coming in and checking his work. And then the guys uh, cutting are familiar with the layout. Like they, cause each layout is, is unique, right. And uh, how we mark the timber. Cause the guy, the guy cutting it has to, it has to be very clear, you know, what you're removing and what you're not going to be removing. Do you guys work on one project at a time or is it if you tackle too many uh, projects? Yeah, no, t t we used to work two one at a time. And now but then you got too much volume yeah, coming now in. We're, now we're at the point yeah, where we have like four on the go. So we've split up our crews basically. So we have, we have like two crews. We're doing like one guy, one crew is doing an install right now and, and one crew is in the shop fabricating. So, cause we, we just can't, we can't fit more than, than three guys in the shop at the current time. It, it's hectic. It, we've never been, we've never been this busy, uh, but it's, I mean, it's a good problem to have. So, you know, you can't, you can't complain. No, um, you got to just go with it. I love that the, the market is growing. I really love that it's growing because this is a specialty and it's a special client that wants this kind of stuff and they appreciate it for the most part, right? And that's what I do I do like about it. How are the kids coming in? Are they grasping this? Are they loving this side of construction? Yeah, that that's the key. Like when we when we interview someone, you can tell like almost right away if they're uh, if they're in, if they're asking the right questions and they're they're keen and and uh, and willing to learn. So yeah, they're great. Like all our guys are, are fantastic. They, uh, it's it's hectic at first train. Like I say, you have two new guys and you're you're trying to train them both. You sort of you're having to walk them through each step. Yeah. And you're, and you're also trying to you know get get stuff done. Uh, so you want to, you know, and that that can be a little stressful. But 
you just have to put the time in and, and train them. Just take the time to train them properly. And then and now they're all, you know, capable of, of making cuts, you know, that I, I don't I don't have to worry about it anymore. And it's it's so worth it. Right. Just to to train them properly. And uh, are you guys still on the tools? You and Dan, yeah, your part, you yeah, guys are still on the tools. Very huh? much so. Because yeah. you guys love doing it, because I guess with anybody that's in construction, part of the objective is to get off the tools and share the knowledge. But eventually that's going to happen one day. Yeah, that, you know, that, that is, it's slowly happening, but I, like, you know, we're on the install side of things, especially we're, we're not at the point where we have guys who can, who can just manage an install and, and the installs are very labor intensive. So if you're there, you're, you're very much on the tools, certain cuts still too, like with, the uh, with chainsaws, we'll, we'll have to make, you know, like we're not, the guys aren't are quite there yet in some aspects. We definitely both love doing it. Like working with your hands is incredibly gratifying and, uh, and, and chisel, I mean, chiseling, uh, say a mortise or a housing out and, and doing it, taking your time and making a nice joint and then fitting a piece together. It's incredibly satisfying to do. It's definitely hard on the body and we are slowly getting to the point where yeah, we we're having to do more quoting and, and running around, you know, meeting people and uh, ordering material and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, uh, we're sort of slowly evolving to that point. I upset her. She, she lost. The ball. I threw the ball <laughs> and, and now we got stuck somewhere and now she's all, you want me to get the ball or what? <laughs> yeah, she's going to, she won't, she won't leave us Hang on a sec. Give me one second. I'm going <laughs> to give me one second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There it is. I see it. <laughs> She's gonna come. She's gonna come right back. She'll, she'll just right. she'll, she'll play fetch until she passes out. Oh, she's, she's adorable. She's, she's adorable. Yeah, yeah, I know. She's back already. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you there. No, I, I, and it's good to, to to to. I guess that you're always still always on the tools, right? And I, and I gotta ask you about all the tools now. And I just saw that I just picked up one of those mallets, and I love those mallets. Yeah, the the wood is good mallets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are those are nice. We we use those in school. Some of the guys use like a wood mallet, but those those are a little more forgiving. Um, on the on the tools, like when you're hitting the end of a chisel. But yeah, we got we got some cool toys. Some of them are are actually on site right now where where we're we're building. But we have some, well, you uh, you've got the one tool that scares the hell out of me, and I'm always in awe of it. A sixteen and and a half inch blade circular saw. <laughs> the, the I've used it once saw. in my life, and I I never want to use it ever again. <laughs> it's just it's just scary. But I am sure that you guys I've seen your videos. You use it all the time. Yeah, more, <laughs> more or less every piece. Yeah, yeah. You cut with that thing, um, and it's it's actually very very easy to use and. Uh, I'd say safer than a, a – you see some guys use a, a seven and a quarter inch saw, and it, it's deadly. If you don't know what you're doing, it'll kick back viciously, right? Um, especially making some of those, like, little cuts that you do, like carpenters do with like, cutting a little block with a seven and a quarter. Whereas that saw, like, our, our teacher would always tell us, like, the, the saw will tell you when it's about to do – when it's about to kick back. Like, you have to be hmm. doing something – really wrong for that saw to kick back it's spinning at a much lower rpm than a, a seven and a quarter inch saw is too right so it's funny yeah like it once, it's intimidating once you make a few cuts yeah it's yeah. very intimidating <laughs> when you pick it up like the weight of it and uh and yeah you can you can have some anxiety that you because you don't want to you don't want to screw the piece up when you're when you're cutting it but, but other than that you got an arsenal of worm drives here you've got an arsenal of uh Plunge routers? Is that what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the uh, we do, do a ton of of, uh, of routering. Um, the chain mortisers are cool. There's there's one behind you there. So yep. that, that's just a, a big 
basically a chainsaw that that plunges in so that'll, yeah. that'll do another all scary looking tool yeah yeah <laughs> we got uh, two of those now and uh there's a, a bandsaw over there so that's a portable bandsaw that that's an incredible tool for like cutting cur you can you can put it on the timber and walk along and, and cut details and, and curves there. so it's a portable bandsaw yeah for what kind of because i was going to ask you you got a bunch of arches here that you've curved and that's what you're using for that yeah exactly. to pull that off so yeah. that can cut how much material at one time it can cut up to 11 and a half inches. Oh. Uh, and, and you can cut, it's incredible what you, like the... How precise? The amount of, like you can cut like a circle almost. It's 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 incredible. What that What's the blade do. on the bandsaw? What's the... It's it's only like a quarter inch blade. Oh, so it's it lets you exciting. dance. It lets you it lets you move, yeah, huh? Yeah, 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 totally. I, I mean, the blades will pop every now and then, but... Um, but yeah, so, some. I mean, it's a lot, a ton of investment. Like we've we've put. I don't even want to know how much money into these some of these tools. But it's can't imagine. You, know, you you need that like that tool, that bandsaw for example is paid for itself. You know, ten times over because um, to do that curve, especially on some of the bigger timbers, to do those curves would be very difficult. Like with the smaller braces, you could you could have a, a stationary bandsaw, pass them all through on that, which would be fine. But some of the bigger curve details like. You would not want to be running that through a, a station no. or so It'd be almost impossible, right? And then I can only assume that you guys probably have an arsenal of hand tools. I mean, I'm seeing chisels over there that are yeah, yeah. monstrous, some, some uh, big, big but all kinds there. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. no, they, we have quite the chisel collection. Um, yeah, no, and and just maintain, there's a Tormac sharpening wheel there, which we, we bought recently to keep them honed. So they're, they're basically like shaving sharp. Um, some of the chisels and razor, they have to be that sharp or, or you just, you can make a mess of the joinery. Cause your joinery has to be ridiculously tight. It has to yeah, look we'll like the tree we'll was grown that. that way. Right. Yeah, yeah. We'll shoot for like, so when we do a layout, it's to a 32nd tolerance wow. and then the layout is scored with a, a knife. Like each, each line is scored with a, a, bl a blade and that gives you a, a purchase, like a, a, a groove, to, to do your finished chisel work. So it, it's all to, you know, a tight, tight tolerance. So like, there is no pencil right, pencil left, set dead center. It's No, it's like you, you cut the line. You cut the yeah, line. You cut, and when you, the layout is, is done very, you know, faint, you don't, you're not drawing a thick line. So you need to be like constantly maintaining your pencil edge too. Cause it all sort of starts at the layout, right? Like if you, if you don't work to a 32nd tolerance, you know, by the time someone scored it, cut it, you can grow it's it's incredible because it it's never going to be perfect right so you have to just shoot for perfect how close you could possibly yeah, get yeah right off the outset and then um because you're helps. getting you're getting one person working on one piece you're getting another person working on another piece and you have to connect perfectly yeah exactly. at that point so everyone's got to be on the same page exactly yeah so and this was all taught to you guys right from the get-go from school right down from the teacher yeah, he he sort of instilled that, and then we sort of we sort of just I mean we've developed obviously our own way. Like every every shop is different. Just even now we we do a lot of our drafting and shop drawings on the computer. Uh, I know a lot of shops probably wouldn't do it like that. They'd be a little more old school. But yeah, and then our just our, our tolerances. We you know like if, it, if something is open, like a, if there's a gap more than a sixteenth, you know we're not happy with it. You want to try to you know shoot for like airtight you know like as snug as possible and i mean it's it's you know you're shooting for that but it's not always achievable but um i i feel like that maybe sets us apart a little bit than than your your average carpenters um i gotta think that you guys and your team and anybody else that you bring on board this really isn't about literally cutting corners and going as fast as possible this is literally about sitting down and thinking 
about building and then building. Absolutely. Everybody, the team has to be on that page where it's not a rush. But you guys are dealing with, when it comes to erecting the structures, you're dealing with Mother Nature. You guys don't stop during the winter months either, right? No, no. So you're, you're always at the mercy no matter what. So not only you're going out in the weather, you got to stop and think and take your time, plan, cut, shape, build, assemble. This is a difficult... It can yeah. be it can be challenging, yeah, especially in the winter. Um, but so we'll try to like we'll try to test fit each connection. Some of the bigger stuff we can't we can't fit. Like do a test a dry run until we're on site. So that, yeah, if, if it's crappy weather, it can be hard, right? To uh, to stay you know that meticulous when you're uh, you're getting you know hailed on or, or <laughs> rained on. But yeah, we'll we'll try to just if you fit everything in the shop and you you see we we label each like the male and the female end so yeah. you know like exactly which brace is going into that that housing. Um, so you just there's no surprises when you get on site and usually it all just clicks together nice and, uh, you, and you usually just, yeah you, you still like there's a lot of persuasion still like because it's wood and the, you know wood as timber has crowns in it and sometimes it can it can develop a little twist or something from the time you cut it to the time you actually get it on site a little bit of you know we use a lot of like ratchet straps and uh some to get big, into place mallets to yeah to get everything sort of pulled snug before you uh drive the pegs in are you still when the the material arrives are you still selecting it are you still choosing which piece or but i guess most pieces are designed for the elements that you need yeah so the the piece itself but but we'll we'll be selective in terms of like you know which what face is going to be more most visible. Yeah, because you always lose one side, yeah, you'll one yeah, face exactly, and so you can always you can with a rafter you're you're kind of at the mercy of, of the crown of the rafter. Like we'll always want to crown everything up so it'll it'll settle over time. But yeah, with posts you always are always thinking when you're doing that layout. It's like, okay, where's this? Because there's there's flaws, you know. That it's not it's not perfect. It's timber, and there's knots, you know, which can which can break out in the cutting process, like a knot can, they're not stable, so they can, they can blow out. Um, yeah. When you're doing your joint and there's a particular knot yeah, at that yeah. joint. And, and, and there's like the grain will dive sometimes. So when you're, when you're working the piece, the grain, you're kind of at the mercy of the grain. So there's a whole, a whole bunch of different factors, but as you cut more and more pieces, you sort of, you learn that. Um, so now, yeah, like our, our guy who's doing the layout will have that in mind and he's you're turning your ugly face, away even on yeah. an outdoor structure where four sides are, are going to be exposed you know you like point the ugliest face outside far away from where it's going to get weathered yeah it's, yeah so that makes a lot of sense I, I wanted to ask you roland if you guys are doing a fully timber framed home how long does it normally take from the start from arrival to the actual assembly it, it'll take like uh say like that that frame behind you there was uh yeah it's 30 by 60 that was actually the first the first big one we cut um, so that was probably about a, a month in the shop cutting, uh, three guys and a week to assemble the bents on site. And then it went up in a day. Uh, so went the crane comes day. and stands them all like that's, that frame is consistent of, of seven bents or, or trusses. We refer to them as bents, but once they're all assembled, uh, we stack them essentially on the flat, on the platform and you put everything together. And then the crane just comes and, and stands them up one by one and you lock them together with those purlins. The actual time on site is is often very you know it's quick um, if everything has been planned out properly and, and it goes together pretty quickly, and then so I mean it depends like on our scope right like 
a lot of the times we'll just do the timber frame and and leave the builder to to enclose and finish. Sometimes we will do like the tongue groove ceiling on top. A lot of times we will do, I should say, uh, the tongue groove that goes on on the ceiling. Yeah. So, so you'll get it ready for the sheathing, and then they can do their waterproofing on the yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, they can. Yeah. they can put whatever they want. And what are you guys using for the TNG? You're still using pine. Uh, so if it's fir, like if it's Douglas fir timbers, we usually use Douglas fir yeah. uh, tongue groove. But it, it's totally up to the client. Like sometimes they want to see the contrast, you know, see the pine up there. Um, and houses sometimes they'll even drywall up 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 in, the in between. Yeah, up, but it's it's still done um, on top. So so when I say with the sit panel, when we install that that panel on the back of the post, we even we first install a furring strip, like a five eighths thick strip of plywood on the back of the post. And that holds the panel off the post five eighths, so that you can slip the drywall behind, so you don't have to you don't have to tape or mud. You don't have to, to J that. trim or put any. No, no, it's yeah, just, it's, it's which would look worse. Detail. I think that would look a lot cleaner just to drop it behind. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you, I mean, you can you could tape to it or do a J trim, but the timber's going to shrink. It's the, it, that's another thing is it, it shrinks. So a seven and a half t inch timber will, by the time it's fully dry, can be like seven three eighths, seven and a quarter. So you don't, you never want to tape to, to timber. Especially You're going to lose timber. that much, huh? It's going to, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it's still natural, it's still breathing, still yeah, in, and, yeah. And it's green. So it's, um, when you start heating, especially with a residential house, when you put the furnace on that, that first winter is you're shocking the wood almost. Right. So it, uh, it's funny. You, you do, you hear like, like cracks and pops and uh it's funny like it's like, for how long does that go on for like uh, the, the first year or two yeah first year or two it'll it'll pop and crack and uh it's because it's you know you've you've joined it all so you're gonna you're gonna limit a lot of the movement that the timber wants to do because it's it's locked together yeah so, but the the checking is, is just gonna happen like like when we get a, a timber like this like or like a tree for example like 50 percent of the weight is just water like in the log, it's it's incredible. So that water's got to go Oh, we've somewhere. all known, you know, like when you're picking up lumber and, and you're picking up the wet one versus the dry yeah, one, yeah. dry one feels like a toothpick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the yeah. same thing, it's man. Same. I mean, traditionally, that's sort of how it's always, it's always, always been done is it's been green timber. I and mean, traditionally, they would, they would build the frame, cut the frame over the winter with green timber, uh, erect it in the spring. And then it basically has, you know, the whole summer, fall season to sort of dry out a little bit before you fire up a furnace inside it yeah and, and so really naturally stay. dry out slower yeah, a chance to, versus to the dry. heat from the yeah, winter yeah, yeah exactly. that makes a lot of sense uh, even kiln dried furniture moves like the wood the wood still moves right like it's a little added added element we got to deal with what's uh if you're a builder and you guys come in i've hired you you've taken care of this part of it what should i be conscious of for the rest of the build, the finishing stages, just watch the heat kind of thing. Yeah, you you want to. I mean, I mean, a, a really big thing is is like electrical, like lighting, uh, having a plan before, you know, beforehand. And a lot of a lot of people don't until they see the the frame goes up because we can we can route wires in, we can hide wires. I was and stuff, just gonna and, say, and like yeah, plumbing, like plumbers are like, what do you mean I can't drill through that post? And it's like. I don't know, that, that's an exposed finished pose I, you know you gotta especially when there's like a sit panel uh it can be difficult to to hide mechanical and stuff like that so we'll do like well, like sleeper floors every now and then so like you'll have your your say when there's two stories you'll have your your timber beams your tongue groove and then we'll build like a, a two by six floor on top of that 
and that's your cavity for running your chase, your mechanical yeah, chase. Yeah. Stuff, right. And some of the panels, the sit panels will come with like a, uh, a con like a, a wire chase, like pre routed in the, in the panels yeah. horizontally at, at 12 inches and at 42 inches for your plugs and switches. So the electrician can like tap into that fish's wires around. Um, cause they, you know, it's not just like the walls closed right yep. when they arrive. So it's a little bit more finesse. Even the trades that you bring in, they have to be a little bit more finesse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that's like one of the, the most important things, but otherwise it's, you know, it's very similar to a, to a regular home. Like, People are just going to turn their furnace on in the winter. You know, you can say keep the humidity down or try to do this and that, but it's not. It's not going to you know negatively affect the timber if you no. suddenly start heating the house. But I guess with a lot of clients on the first time that they've ever experienced a house, that checking and that cracking and everything, they're probably calling you guys, going, "The house is falling <laughs> apart." <laughs> so I'm seeing Dorothy outside. <laughs> you know, like I'm wondering, is something going to happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the the, the checking, yeah, because some of the checks, like it's, pine, doesn't doesn't check nearly as much as as Douglas fir for whatever reason. Oh, okay, uh, that's so interesting. With, with, but with Douglas fir, some of the checks, like you can you can like stick your finger in them, like after a couple of years like yeah it's like, wow it's, it's opened up but uh i i feel like it adds character most most people do um again it's just it's just the nature well what's of, supposed of to be weather frame, right? what's supposed yeah. to age right yeah. so it's like your sawhorses here i mean they look great and i can only assume how old they are and how rough and tumble they've been yeah and there, i, I right? mean it's not it's definitely not it's as tight as it was when it was put together but if you don't make it as tight as possible when you put it together, then it'll look, you know, it'll look terrible in a couple of years, right? So you gotta. It's another reason we try to shoot for that that perfection right off the hop, because um, it's it's not, you know, gonna stay. That once the movement happens, you know, you're gonna get little gaps and stuff opening up. You know, it's just it's just how it is. So. I saw the boys out west there from uh, pound for pound, a couple of framers or a team of framers out there, and they were doing some uh, a deck. Oh yeah, and they were using all this kind of timber framing for the substructure of the deck, and oh, then yeah. building on top of that. And they were basically doing a bunch of the stuff, and I was paying attention to what they were doing. And they were doing it in a, a beautiful, wet, BC, cold <laughs> weather. Uh, so I mean, I just want to give them a shout out because it's 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 respectful of what anybody that pulls this off. They 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 appreciate it, and they it's almost like a fight with the wood, but you everybody wins at the end of it where you achieve something that you can look back and go, I built this with my hands, right? Yeah, that, that really is what makes it, you know, so gratifying is being able to stand back after a good day of erecting timbers and just see, and knowing that the structure is going to stand for, you know, hundreds of years uh, is cool. And, you know, you can carve your name up at the top somewhere where no one's going to see it <laughs> until a uh, hundred years down the road. Oh, which is uh, great that you yeah, guys do that. It's yeah. cool. It's cool. Right? Cause uh, you guys can drive by and go, that's, that's ours. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's yeah, totally cool. So, so, I mean, you guys have been at it for a decade now. Yeah, more or less. Uh, like I say, doing when we first started out, we would we would frame houses when we had to. Yeah, you know, because in the winter it can, it can be slow, right? Uh, like this winter will not be. The last few winters we've we've been steady through the winter. So, but yeah, like I say, we we sort of that was our roots was was just regular framing. So and and some of the houses we'll do are like what are called hybrids. So they'll have like the timber frame great room or like the, yeah. the central focal point will be timber and then it'll be conventionally framed around that and we'll take that on if if it makes sense with our scope because we're there anyways so we we'll still do some some stick framing from time to time are you guys dealing with the inspector or are you leaving that up for the gc at that point yeah no so 
like our, our timber component is, is stamped by an engineer. So oftentimes uh, it depends on, on the municipality, but they'll, they'll just want the engineer who stamped it to come and do a, like a report yeah. basically make just, you know, and sign sure, off. Make, on yeah. It. Just make sure it was sort of done to his specs. Cause your typical framing inspector will walk in and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> if they've never even seen it yeah, before, like, but I'm, I'm I don't know which inspector this, would right? never have seen this because this is, this is history. Right. So, I mean, they would be familiar, but they maybe never seen it on site in person. Yeah. And I mean, it'd be easy for, for them to, it can be overwhelming, I'm sure. Cause it's not just like your typical, like, Oh, there's not, there's not two jacks under that. Yep. Header yep. Or Where's whatever, the king? Right? Yeah. Where's yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a little more involved. Like, was that, was that joint done properly? It's like, so a lot of times, yeah, they'll, they'll just get the, the engineer to, to sign off on it. And then that just, sort of, so our drawing will be stamped and it, it's sort of submitted in conjunction with the, the overall permit documents. It's like its own element. And then I'm curious, you brought this up about uh, the mechanical team possibly asking about making a hole. What if that's, that happens what if it gets past you guys and someone does that have they now compromised that one beam it, it depends on the size of the hole on what they've where, done yeah, right exactly. just like drilling a hole through a joist it, so but uh, if they've compromised that beam and somehow then you have to replace it is that we're we, gonna get we've that? we've never we've never had to do that come across that yeah i would yeah but, uh, yeah. yeah hopefully it, hopefully in some yeah. some cases sure you'd, you'd have to if it's uh, if it's structurally compromised but it, it would be Depending on the stage that the house is at, it it could be very difficult to do that. Um, if the if it just the frame has been erected, then not as difficult is you know. But once you start enclosing the structure, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it can become it can become a bit of a nightmare, I'm sure. But most guys have enough common sense to to see the timber and, and not drill through it. Yeah, you know, like uh, it's too good looking. Yeah, too yes. nice. Have you guys? not built anything yet is there anything on the schedule or anything that's in the future you guys are thinking we'd like to tackle one day well we i mean sort of just the the bigger the bigger the project the more sort of interesting it is so we're i mean the the biggest thing we've built to date was a, a six thousand square foot barn for a client and it was it was sort of a hybrid model so more sort of post and beam with with a bunch of stick framing um but biggest project we've ever tackled um so yeah i mean which i'm open to to anything right like we've now we've built something enormous like that and and seen what it takes and the amount of time it takes um it's almost nicer to do some of the smaller ones it's uh you know because they're they're quick they're in and out of the shop um you can make just as much money doing doing those projects as you can on the big ones i guess I, i'm assuming you guys have done sheds gazebos like yeah those yeah. kinds still, of little still to this day still yeah. to this day because yeah, people yeah. appreciate those you're sitting there yep. enjoying it summer fall winter kind of thing are they cost effective are they i mean is it pretty reasonable to build one of those it depends on the size yeah. and uh, and how elaborate you want to make it. Like just a typical, like a standard king post, you know, truss is, is pretty basic and we can put one of those together pretty quickly. But like say like a, a timber entryway, um, which you see a lot, like just like a sim simple arched entryway would be like around $10,000 in and around there, supply and stuff. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty reasonable. Uh, in and around there. But again it's it's so dependent on like the span and it's so custom everything and so how custom. much timber you know like if it's, if it's gonna be 15 feet or 16 feet wide you need a, a bigger beam and it's gonna drive the cost up so it's like people always anytime i meet with someone they want a ballpark oh, give me a it's ballpark too difficult number, ballpark. i was like no i i sorry i i can't until i 
do the drawing. I got to do a 3D. I got to do the takeoff, and uh, and then we'll then we'll give you the the price, right? You don't want to tell someone it's going to be less, and then oh, it's like oh, turns out it was quite a bit more. <laughs> so all right. I'm trying to think about the finishing still inside the house where you have such such a great amount of shrinkage, and for for let's say for argument's sake, if you're in a master bathroom ensuite or something, and you've got four post beams in the corner and you're tiling flooring. You're tiling at that point right to the beam, but it's fair to say that in a year's time or two years' time, you're going to have that gap between. Yeah. How so do we avoid those kinds of finishing little... Well, yeah, with, well, with flooring, what we'll try to do is a similar detail to uh, the wall where we'll do a furring strip behind the post to slip the drywall as well. We'll router the bottom of the post with a, a quarter-inch flute bit. And so we'll set it, we'll come in, say, like an inch around the bottom of the post, and we'll router in about an inch deep so that when the flooring guy comes along he can take his flush cut saw he can butt his flooring up and he can he can zip drop it, it right in and place then he just chips the piece out and and slip it in that's up to them to do cleanly and nicely but that's a nice detail it, it's much nicer because then yeah like you say when the post twists and moves it doesn't not Less really than you buckle want the flooring yeah. or whatever um so yeah that, that's one of the ways we'll we'll mitigate that with uh with homes but again it's more time a lot of the timber frames that I've been in, like older ones, it happened, right? Like the the timbers move, gaps opened, you know, that you see it, it. But it's it's almost what a timber frame is in a sense. It's a little more rustic. Uh, you see it a lot in cottages and it's, you know, it's not like a, mo- a modern clean finish. You know what I mean? Like you can you can definitely achieve that, but it's a little more organic, you know, I'd say. So um, even with like the checking and the movement and stuff like that, you know, it's it's yeah. a little bit more of an organic frame. And uh, so it's so it is it is different in that sense. Do you guys want to get into full blown log and timber framing structures or is that that's a different animal, right? Yeah, like well, a lot of the companies in Ontario that do that, um, it's it's they've switched now to, to CNC cut timber so it's all robotically cut and a a factory it's essentially a factory is what you when you first say that i just pictured all the love taken out of the woodworking (laughs) i for some weird reason i just pictured like there's no love in there it's all machinery now yeah you you essentially become a factory and uh be they sure they can cut the the joinery that we can cut but it's there's no love. No, and there's not. There's not. You know, like five guys in a shop cutting the, with their bare hands, which I think, like again, a lot of our customers appreciate that, and uh, we're fortunate that you know they they appreciate the fact that it's you know they know that it's just it's five guys cutting this thing. It's not coming out of a factory. It might look the same when it goes up, cost wise. I don't know that it would be very much cheaper to to do it that way. We have in the past put together those frames, the the CNC cut frames, and it's it's not as uh, tight, let's say, because you're putting it through a machine. You know, they they're not taking into account, you know, little discrepancies in the wood. They yeah. You know, the machine can't see that, right? They'll it'll just. I cut guess they're the just joint. scanning the wood. Yeah. And, and then automatically all, a zoom, like yeah, yeah, assuming. It's, it's an impressive machine uh, that does it all, but uh, it's yeah, it's it, like you say, it takes all the. The joy out of well, it. Well, I guess I guess it's um it's similar to prefabs. I mean, prefab homes haven't really exploded. You still construction is probably the last industry that still is a manual labor, manual work, mm-hmm. you know, attached to it. You can try the machinery route. I think it's for a certain segment of the population, but it's not for everybody. If you're going down this road, I think you want that love, that hands-on. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, it's um 
it's just a different it's a different end product um so i mean i could see like we, like we have definitely automated in, in in terms of the tools right like we have some some modern tools that that make us faster and more efficient you know to so that helps you know with the cost when we're when we're coding a job you know we know we can do it faster now yeah it becomes a certain point where yeah it takes the the fun out of it if you're not uh if you're not doing it with your hands. Are you guys looking for any more uh, people to join the team or you guys are good right now? We just hired uh, two new guys. We're, we're good right now. It's kind of funny, right? Like where you, you can get to a point where you can take on more work and you can hire more guys, but are you going to you know be making any more money or are you just going to have you know more headaches and more problems to deal with? So I feel like we're in a, a good spot right now. Like we're, it's kind of in that sweet spot where we're, we're busy. We you know we have two crews. It's like, do we want five crews? I don't know. Uh, maybe down the road. We'll see. But uh, like we're, now with the, we've definitely, we are expanding, no doubt. Like we have the, we've built a bigger shop and we'll be able to, to take on more and uh, become a little more organized. Um, I, I think we're, we're, we're in a good spot right now with the amount of guys and, you know, like I say, you, any guy we hire, we, we basically have to train. Yeah. Um, so you got to just, uh, if you find some good guys and you, you, they're happy, we're happy, you know, just, uh, we're, we're, we're okay with that. So. so shifting gears into the seasons, I mean, we're going into fall and, and soon enough winter is going to be here. What do you guys change when, when, when winter shows up and you start working? Well, we buy a lot of gloves. <laughs> <laughs> Waterproof gloves. Buy, yeah, those Watson uh, the rubber gloves. I'll buy yeah. like 10 pairs of those. Because you, you need the, the dexterity still, right? So yes. Uh, yeah, that's not fun. I'm not looking forward to it. It looks like next week is our, our last like nice week. And then uh, I, saw, I actually saw snow. We're working up in, in Malmer right now. And it's we've been lucky with how the weather is. Have you heard like... I'm hearing it's going to be a harsh winter. I've heard that too. I'm hearing that it's going to be a typical Canadian winter in Ontario. Great. Which is, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. No, I swear, without fail, I uh, I find myself on a roof uh, in like January. I don't know what it is, but I'm. We're, there's a house actually where there was supposed to be a summer build and it was delayed, of course, you know, COVID and permitting and all that. And now it's, it's going to be a winter build. So. It's looking like yeah, we're gonna be freezing our butts off. Just on the, layers, on the layers, 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 and yeah. then just stay warm. Yeah, and you know what? Like the mornings are miserable when it's dark and uh, and you're freezing cold. But after you get going and you're moving around, it's actually not that bad. And you get but, that hour uh, or two of sunlight. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it really, <laughs> no, it's it's a good. It's and really good. You get good. the odd day where it's you know it, the sun yeah the sun's out and it's just you can take your take a couple layers off and uh, yeah you know it is what it is right. It's funny. Yeah. I guess so. It's mostly Douglas and Pine. Can you make it out of cedar? Or you can. You, yeah, you can. You can. It's uh, it's not as as strong as you know. It's it's a much softer wood, and it's way more expensive. Yeah. So, it's already a premium. You know that our, our clients are paying a lot of the time. So that just that just sort of blows it out of the water a lot of the times. Most times we won't even price it in cedar unless they really love cedar and they they want that that smell and that. I guess that that's look. that's the primary. They want that smell it, in the actual structure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But structurally, no, you you'd rarely see it because you you need a, a an enormous beam to to do what say this this Douglas fir beam can do. You Plus, know? it'd have to be select cedar at that point too. No. Yeah. If it, anytime, yeah, if it's going to be in a structural application, yeah, and and just like to get that is just you know that's just those, insane. Yeah, the price it would be. Big, big trees and and cedar's nasty to work because it, it, the dust is yep. uh, you know very fine yep. and 
and it's actually so soft that it, it's difficult to to not you know damage edges and and make your joints crisp because it, it's so soft uh, whereas fur is, is a little more uh you know hard and, and crisp so it's easier to work especially when it's green like working a, a dry like I, we've done some work with like old barn beams that are dry dry and like a hardwood and it is brutally difficult to work really they're timber. just that yeah, they're, the, okay the water the fact that it's green helps you like work your tools you know the tools don't have to be you know as sharp or like you don't have to spend as much time going back to the the stone or the wheel to, sh- to resharpen yeah um but you see some guys in in like the uk i follow on instagram it's all like oak like oak frames and it's, oak yeah and it, it's beautiful stuff i know you can get it here um we've yet to cut an oak frame but that's predominantly what they use over there and it's just like I can hear the tools imagine. crying already. Oh, and it is, you have to put like a different bevel on your chisel, like a different angle on your on some of your tools to to cut the. It's like a hardwood. So, um, but again, it'll be green oak. So like they, it gives them a chance to, to work it. Yeah, like otherwise it's just like brutal, right? What countries are those that are doing that? I guess more uh, like Engl- a bunch, like tons in the UK. Like oh, really? England, yeah. yeah. It's like it's primarily all oak that I see there. And they're getting, I don't know where they're getting the beams from because uh, I don't think there's many big oak forests there. But... I wouldn't think that they're in the UK. No. So yeah. wouldn't they begin it from North America? I doubt it. I, I, I'd be amazed. But I mean, I know it, I, there's, it grows down in the States. Like there's, yeah. there's companies in, in the States that, that sell it. Like we, we, can, we can get oak beams. But by one time, my one experience trying to order them or just getting a price on them, they weren't even able to give us them dressed. Like they couldn't run it through a four-sided planer, I guess, because the knives of how dense. Yeah, I guess. Oh, wow. You end up with, and all the guys I see working oak timbers, they'll, they'll use like what's called scribing. So they'll, the timbers they get aren't square. So they have to, they have to do almost like a, they draw the frame on the floor. Like they'll snap it out on the, on a concrete floor. And they'll lay in each piece, like over top of one another, and they'll they'll it's called French scribing. So yeah. then they'll use like plumb bobs, and they'll they'll transfer. So then you you account for the twist, and uh, it's it's cool. It's something I, I I learned how to do it. I've not, I've yet to really put it into practice. But the timber fr- in the states, it's it's quite a cool cool community. It's something called the the Timber Framers Guild, because like timber framing almost it sort of died out like. Uh, you know, with, with the advent of, of two by fours and, and lumber, like when the mills started being able to produce that timber framing basically died, like yeah. it stopped being the, so when we went from nominal to dimensional, well, it, just, just when they, like every, every building used to be uh, timber, like with the, the timbers from the land, you know, like, and then as soon as mills started to being able to produce two by fours and, and, you know, mass produce them, that's sort of when it, it started dying out. Cause anyone could come in and, and build a, you know, slap a wall together and, you know, and it's, it's just, it's faster for sure, faster, easier way to build. But then it sort of had a bit of a revival in the seventies. There were some guys that started doing it. Um, Ted Benson, one of them, a few timber framers. And they, now it's sort of, they've, they've revived it. And now there's this timber framers guild and they, they get together uh, once or twice a year and all these timber framers will come from all over the country. And Dan and I actually went down to a couple of years ago, we went down to one of their, their events. So they'll hold like, they'll do like uh, demos, you know, like different guys will sh- sh- you know show how they're 
doing it, like how they're cutting, you know, how they're doing scribing, for example. Very cool. And it's, it's a great community. Everyone's super helpful and willing to share their knowledge. Um, so it's fantastic. It's a lost art, man. Yeah. It's a lost art. It's fascinating that even in Toronto, when I go through some of the older buildings, the loft style buildings, you're walking around and you're seeing the timber frames inside there that have been reinforced because of new codes. Right. But I'm still fascinated by these beams that are still there. have probably been there for about 60, 70 plus years. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really cool. Actually, one I'll tell you one cool story, a job we did uh, a couple years ago. We went, I was contacted by a client and he has, he had a timber frame in Nantucket on uh, in Massachusetts on the island there. It was being threatened by shoreline erosion. So every time there was a storm, he would lose some more shoreline. And the the houses in Nantucket are slowly like starting to fall into the ocean as oh. as the storms keep coming. So we had this this timber frame. It was like 30 years old. It was cut by actually Ted Benson, like I mentioned earlier, who's a master timber framer. And so he called us and he said, I, I want to save this frame. So we ended up going down there and taking it apart, which you can do with a timber frame. Yeah. Once you strip off the, the panels, you can knock the pegs out, take a, take each piece apart, document it. And we shipped it back. He has a farm in Alton, which is uh, 20 minutes from here. Shipped it back here, and it's it's sitting in a, a drive shed right now, and we're going to rebuild it uh, this spring, actually. Wow. Uh, so it's cool how, you know, it'll have a second life, right? Like, the guy who, who bought the property, he ended up selling the property, and the guy who bought it was just going to uh, tear the frame down. He wanted to build, like, a, a mansion there. And what so a waste, I got huh? to save it. Yeah. And, uh, it's cool. You can see, like, on certain beams, you can see, like, his like fingerprints uh, from when his, his son was, like, a baby, like, because you, you leave a mark on the timber, right? And you can still see that to this day. So it's, like, <laughs> it's it's intangible, right? Like, yeah, you, you can't, you it's can't irreplaceable, that, right? yeah. So, um, it's it's cool. It's, that's that's a cool project. I'm looking forward to uh, to putting that back together. And he's actually building it for his son, uh, which is kind of cool. His, who who grew up in the frames? So yeah. I guess I'm assuming he documented the whole structure before it got disassembled, right? Yeah. Well, that that was part of the reason he he had us go down and assist in the the take the disassembly, so we'd have a chance to. to that's gonna be together. fascinating to yeah, reassemble. So that's next summer. You're pulling that off. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was supposed to be this year and then, it, you know, all those delays and everything. Yeah, yeah, I just got it changed, right? Yeah. Is the person still building a mansion on that property there? I think it's been built, yeah. They, they yeah. set it back from, from the ocean. Uh, uh, I was going right? to say maybe that can go into the ocean. <laughs> 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 that won't yeah. bother me as yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, well, it's smart that they set it back. No, Roland, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate this, man. Thanks for I having mean, me. I, I, mean, I, I, I love coming to people and, and, and their shops specifically and checking out what's going on. I've been fascinated. Maybe one day I'm, I'm in a position where I can actually order one of these and get you guys to put it together. I love that because I'd just be in awe watching it. I wouldn't want to lift a thing. It's too heavy, man, for me. I'm getting older, man. It's too heavy for me, man. But uh, I really appreciate it. So let me, uh, I've got one segment, one last segment, which is the 12 questions. But again, everybody, mm. check them out. So Caledon Timber Frames. Uh, it's www.caledontimberframes.com, uh, info at caledontimberframes.com. And on Instagram, it's Caledon underscore timber frames. You ready for this? Sure. Curious about your answers for these ones, man. Favorite construction word? Timber. <laughs> least favorite construction word concrete <laughs> uh, what turns you on in construction uh, a nice sharp chisel mm -hmm. what turns you off in construction showing up and seeing some of the foundations that we have to build on <laughs> they're that bad huh 
brutal. Really? Yeah. Huh? So, uh, nobody had a level. Nobody had a tape measure. Oh, well, they did. They did. I don't know. They just, it just didn't they, get used. They didn't see the line or There's something. There's no concrete on it. Yeah. Uh, favorite curse word? Uh, tabernak. <laughs> That's what our, our, uh, our, some of our French uh, delivery drivers will say. That's they all they say. Yeah. That's constantly <laughs> say. It's probably the only French word I know. Uh, favorite vehicle? Uh, Dodge Ram 3500. Dodge guy. I don't get a lot of guests that are on the show that love Dodge. Oh, no? They love attacking Dodge. <laughs> Let them be. I don't get in the middle of the three. It's a quality vehicle. <laughs> uh, least favorite vehicle? Um, God, a Jeep. A <laughs> Jeep? My wife, my wife drives one. <laughs> <laughs> the old school Jeeps? No, no. She's got just like a four-door Sahara or something. But Got it. She might listen to this. She may. Yeah, she may. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Was, oh, this will be the test if she actually listened to it. Uh, 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 what's, uh, what construction sound or noise do you love? Uh, I love I love the sound of a uh, chain mortiser firing up in the in the early morning. It's actually deafening. You need to you need to put uh, earmuffs on. <laughs> Is it really that loud? Yeah, I've seen the videos and I just I know it's loud, oh, but it's, I just it's incredibly loud, piercing yeah. ear piercing. Yeah, you loud. gotta you gotta wear. Wow. Protection, yeah. What construction sound or noise do you hate? The sound of a uh, a tap con- you know like a hammer drill for putting in tap cons. It's. Uh, it's funny, actually. One guy I heard say, uh, he's like, you want, you, you know, like in Dumb and Dumber, when the guy's like, you want to hear the most annoying sound <laughs> of the world? Like, it's like that, that's that noise. And you know, tap that, that's screaming sound. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a like, screaming tap sound. Tap like, they never, they're always giving me problems. I hate tap cuts. So that, that's that's my least favorite. <laughs> but they got the, why would you be using tap cuts? I guess. Just uh, every now and then, for, if you want to like, Brace to concrete or something. If you're, I've always been a fan of Titan bolts. Yeah, actually, we're using those recoverable uh, anchors a lot more frequently now. Because even actually. if it messes up, you can still take it out yeah. and then put it back yeah, in. Exactly. It still bites. And, uh, uh, Titan uh, bolts have been really good. Yeah, no, we're, we're using those, but I, every now and then you got to put a tap count in. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, God. Plus, it's blue against timber, and it's just, oh, yeah, it's the worst. it doesn't work. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Professional squash player. <laughs> squash. <laughs> yeah. uh, what profession would you not like to do? Let me see. I don't know. I guess concrete farming. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of love for concrete. Um, last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, come on in. <laughs> That's all he needs to say. That's all he needs to say. Roland, thank you again, man, so much. Really appreciate you taking the time on a Saturday morning. Thanks a lot, man. And I, like, I love coming and visiting and, and and checking out new ideas, new construction, new techniques. So all the best to you and the crew. And uh, I'll keep I'll keep watching, man, paying attention. So I appreciate you having us on. Yeah, so everybody. Again, uh, CowdenTimberframes.com. Info at CowdenTimberframes.com, and also on Instagram, it's Cowden underscore Timberframes. Thanks, man. Thank We're out of here. Thank you.